It's good to have the good Lord on our side. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I've been doing his work for 20 years. Dear listener, is your inner and outer life a farce in spite of all your good works? Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. God's Resistance is local in Wilkesbury in the Wyoming Valley and spreading elsewhere. If you need someone to talk to or pray with and are interested in joining a small group to help you live as a disciple of Christ, stay tuned for contact info. My name is Eric Samborski, and I want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. If you miss the radio program, then look for the God's Resistance podcast in your favorite podcast platform and YouTube at 9 a.m. every Sunday, where these are uploaded, and you'll find other content on there as well. You can find us at godsresistance.com and on Facebook, Twitter, Gab, YouTube, and Rumble at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like, follow, and turn on notifications for helpful spiritual content. You can contact us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Now let's listen in on today's briefing. So many say that they are a worker for God. That happens running rampant in our culture, either locally, people that we meet or on the internet, and it goes from the high to the low. There's people that have made quite a living saying that they're a worker from God, and they're quite, they've made a name for themselves. There's fame with their name, uh, and also they've made a significant amount of money. Maybe they've written books, uh, they spoke at conferences, and that could be people all the way at the top down to some of the lesser known, but they speak at conferences. Maybe they've held crusades. Maybe they have large followings. Maybe they have special spiritual giftings, and I'll put that in, quote in, uh, in quotes. But is Jesus really impressed with all of this? Is this the sum of an effective Christian life? There have been successful workers in times past, and I put successful in quotes again, when revival broke out, and then they realized they were undone before God. There was a man who was a deacon, and he was a Sunday school at a church for, I would say, about 15, 20 years at least. And he'd been doing that for a while. He had to go in for some uh, heart surgery, and there was complications in the heart surgery, and he calls for the pastor to come in. The pastor comes in to pray with him as they had run into complications, and the man confesses to the pastor, I need you to pray for me. I'm not right with God. When God came near, all of the things that that man did meant nothing because he wasn't right with God. Finney, uh, Charles Finney, that is, he had been listening to ministers that had doctorates. You know, they were successful ministers so far as the world is concerned. But Finney uh, realized that they had such a lack of power. Uh, God didn't seem to be really answering their prayers. And Finney got saved and filled with the Spirit of God. And then those same people that thought they could teach Finney something, they were under conviction just by the life of Charles Finney, just by the change that Jesus had wrought in Charles Finney's own heart. And they got saved themselves. So it doesn't, Jesus isn't just looking for the works that we do, those, those are important. There is that which is behind the works that is more important. And that brings us in to this morning's lesson. We are looking in Matthew chapter 7, 
verses 21 through 23. So Jesus says in verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. That's the one. So he says, Not everyone that saith unto me. And that implies that there's going to be many people who will say, Lord, Lord. Some of them are fakers. Some of them are real. In the previous chapter in uh, Matthew 6, we had spoken about there being the straight gate and the narrow way. And then there was the the wide gate or the broad gate and the wide way. And he said, few there be that find the narrow way. This verse is kind of expounding and pulling out even deeper that truth which we had already been told by Jesus in the previous chapter. So there's some fakers and there's some real people. Many are going to be saying, Lord, Lord, in that day. And it says, many, there'll be many that say or saith. So many are vocal also. That helps us to realize. And not, however, the problem with many people being vocal about, I love Jesus and I'm a Christian or I work for him and I'm a worker of God, I'm a man of God, and you hear people talk in those ways, or I'm a woman of God, not near as many of those people prove that by their works, by their lives, by the fruit that comes from their life. How easy it is to utter the name of Jesus, but really fail to live his life. We are not imitators, we are the infiltrated. And what I mean by that is, We're not simply just looking at Jesus and then saying, wow, he lived such a a great life. He's, He's a peculiar character so far as history is concerned, and he's intriguing, and he has really good uh, maxims for how we should live our lives. It looks very uh, moral and upstanding and virtuous, so I'm going to try and imitate him. No, that's not the Christian message. The Christian message is to be filled with Christ to be infiltrated by his own presence, filled with the spirit of Jesus himself, not who we think Jesus is, but the literal and actual spirit of Jesus Christ as is revealed in the Bible. So many people say his name and they wear Jesus' name like a merit badge, but they know very little of the true Jesus. And he says that many of those people will say unto him, they'll say unto me, that's what Jesus said, so it, sa- it seems to be that what he's talking about here is many pray to God, many do pray to God right now, and many of those will be rejected at last. And on the last day, they're going to be talking to him just the same. And we'll get into that uh, as we go a couple verses ahead. But he says, many will say unto me, many will say. There's so many people that say, I say my prayers every morning. I pray to God. I, I-, I worship him in my own way. And so there's many people that have the name of Jesus on their lips or say the word Lord, but do they really mean it? That's what Jesus is wanting to know. That is what Jesus is getting after as he brings out these points. He said, they're going to say to me, Lord, Lord. There's another scripture verse where Jesus speaks to the Pharisees in this way, but with the lips, people draw near to God, but with the heart, they're far from him. That's what's happening here. So what even is the meaning of Lord when people say, Oh, yeah, I've got a relationship with the Lord. I I love him. I pray to him. And, you know, he and I have an understanding. I've heard things like that as I've talked with people. But think about it for a minute. What does the word Lord even mean or the concept or the reality of somebody being a Lord? What does that even mean? 
I think I would submit two things. Complete control of the Lord, because if he doesn't have complete control, he's not Lord at all. And also complete submission of the person who's subject to the Lord. So there's two things. There's the Lord who's in control over all things. And then there's me, if I'm calling him my Lord, and I submit myself to him because I see him who he is, and I'm his subject, and I'm a part of his kingdom, and I'm going to do the things that he asked me to do. I'm going to live my life under his rule and reign. So when you cry his name, the question is, is he really your Lord? Is he really in charge of your life? Are you really submitted unto him? Are you his subject and the subject of his kingdom of salvation and righteousness and holiness? Is that you, dear listener? That is what Jesus is wanting us to mean by Lord, Lord. But in this verse, he makes it very clear that that's not what everyone means when they say Lord, Lord. And that, that it's not even that it's not whatever, what people mean. It's not what they live when they say Lord, Lord. And he said, not many of those that say, or, or not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. So what is this kingdom of heaven? Well, first it says that many, not, not everyone that says Lord, Lord will enter this kingdom. So entering helps us realize that there must be some sort of a doorway, some sort of an entrance. And it, and it seems to imply that it's guarded because he says not everyone's going to enter in. So that means there's somebody stopping certain ones from going in and allowing others. Matthew 22, 10 uh, through 14, it's, uh, 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 we're breaking in on a parable that Jesus said, but he said, so those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot, excuse me, and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Just a little ways before that little section of the Bible that I just read, there was an invitation. The king sent out people to invite. There, there was a specific type of people, which in this parable was talking about the Jews, were supposed to be coming into this kingdom. They're supposed to be coming to the celebration. They made light of it, though. Oh, I've got a new cow. I've got to go plow. Or I've just got married. I'm going to be with my wife. I'm not going to come. So we, we read a, a list of menial things that seem to be more important to these people than an invitation to come to this banquet put on by a king. So then the king gets angry and says, well, if they won't come, then just go out and invite anyone. Whoever will come, they can come. And the first people, as Jesus was talking in that time, were supposed to be the Jews, and they rejected. But then it was the whole world invited. It was the Gentiles. It was anybody who would come to God through Jesus Christ. And so we find that there is a door, and it is guarded. And in this, in this uh, parable here, this story that Jesus told, there is one man that, I guess after he had made light of things, changed his mind, and he comes in and sits down. And when he sits down, Everyone kind of looks at him and thinks it's odd, and the master of the, of the banquet or the king, he notices, he says, how'd that guy get in here without a wedding garment? Because all the people that were invited, they received a wedding garment when they said, yeah, we'll be there. And they said, well, you're going to need this to come in. That man changed his mind somewhere along the way, and he got into that dinner and had no wedding garment. And he said, cast him into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Dear listener, it's too late if you leave this world 
without making that choice for God right now, without getting the robes of righteousness that Jesus Christ would give to somebody who repents and believes on his name. You can't just change your mind right at the last moment. I mean, you can repent and believe at the last moment, but when you already have crossed that, that, that line and you're standing before the King of Kings, there is no second chances. If you don't have the special garment, the wedding garment, you cannot enter. So he says, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You may ask, well, what in the world is the kingdom of heaven? There really is no difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. There are people that teach that there is some kind of a distinct difference between these two phrases, and I just want to mention that in passing by. But if you look in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 23, Jesus uses the two terms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, interchangeably. So now that we've talked about that, let's move that out of the way and find out what this kingdom of heaven is. This kingdom of heaven is a now kingdom. It's, it's existing right now. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, we, uh, we read, And from the days of John the Baptist, this is Jesus speaking, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. So Jesus, by his own words, was saying people were entering that kingdom right then in their earthly life. He was talking with others and saying, there's already people entering the kingdom of heaven right now, and they're taking it with such force. Luke 17, 20, we read, and he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. That is Jesus. They were asking him, when is the kingdom of God coming? He answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. This helps us to understand this kingdom of heaven, this kingdom of God is a here and a now kingdom. It exists right now, and it will continue to exist for all eternity. We enter this kingdom, however, by being born again in this present life. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus the Pharisee and says, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So he's not going to enter if he's not been born again. So this, this idea, and you may have heard this before, of being born again is not just some weird radical quacks that you know, somehow you know, are just a little over the top. It's biblical. Jesus said, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven except you be born again. So if this is a here and now kingdom, and it's happening right now, and it's within the hearts of people, it goes to, uh, just by reason and bare logic, we can realize this kingdom extends beyond this life. And what is within right now and somewhat unseen and mystical will be fully seen when we leave this earth and when we go up into heaven. So if we enter that invisible kingdom in this life, it's going to be made sight if we are faithful to the end. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. Now remember, this saying that Jesus is speaking here in this verse is coming on the heels of the warning that he gave 
about false prophets. He was talking about, don't listen to these smooth talkers. Don't listen to these thieves and robbers. And so here we're finding that this principle of not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven is coming on the heels of that warning about false prophets. So we've got to be careful and we've got to be careful not to be false ourselves. He said, but he that doeth the will of my father. So he said, not everyone's going to enter, but he that doeth the will of my father, which is in heaven, that's the one that's going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So it's not the people that talk the talk, but the people that walk the walk that will enter. Many say in our present day, and you've heard this before, if you've maybe listened to the radio, read books, or been in a church anywhere in America, many people say, we're not saved by works, but we're saved by faith. And they would reference Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. I would say that's true. I agree with that. However, there's something else that we need to realize inside of God's book and inside his plan of salvation. If you are saved, however, your faith works. James chapter 2, starting in verse 20. But wilt thou know, O vain or foolish empty man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So we are saved by faith through the grace of God, but we are not saved if our, our, our salvation does not result in good works, in obedience to Christ. That's essentially that faith without works, faith without obedience is dead. That's what the scripture says. Those two things, being saved by faith alone, through grace, and faith without works is dead, there's no problem with those two statements. They work together. That is what Jesus is even saying in this statement. The ones that do the will of my Father in heaven, those are going to be the ones that enter. So full obedience is the reality of any and every believer. Faith and obedience are inseparable as far as the scriptures are concerned. So what works are we doing? So many people and so many churches are so busy doing, 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 doing. They've got this on their calendar, the next program, the next big thing this church is going to do, the next, the next flashbang boom. They are doing the wrong things. We're told here by Jesus not to just do what, whatever we think, but we're told to do the will of the Father, and the Bible bears that out clearly. Don't just listen to the preacher man. Don't just listen to the, the famous person that's written a lot of books. Read the Bible and check and see if the things that people are saying are actually what this book says, because we're going to be judged by the Bible. And the Bible clearly shows us how to please God, how to obey him, what a life of true salvation and holiness and righteousness looks like. And if you really are saved, you'll find out that that's already in your heart. And there's a few things that God's going to be helping you to understand that maybe you don't, but it's already there when he saves you. Let's move on to the next verse verse 22, Jesus says in verse 22, many will say to me, 
in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Many will say to me in that day, he said, many. So we're told that in Matthew chapter 6, that's the majority. There's, there's many people that are on, the, the majority of people are on that broad way that leads to destruction. They're going and, and, and aiming toward this broad gate. So he says, many will say to me in that day. And these many, or the majority, are those that have been duped by the false prophets. When they say, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied. And prophesied means preached. We've preached some people telling the future. And many of those people that claim to know the future and got a vision from God, unfortunately, the majority of those people are just hucksters. They do all of these things in the name of Jesus. That's what they say. In Jesus' name, I'm doing this for him. And if you believe me, you support me, send your checks to blah, 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 blah. You said $100 right now, God will bless you. You probably heard that stuff before. It's awful. They're doing this, quote unquote, in Jesus' name. But the reason that they're doing it is for money, for pride, and for fame. And that's a stink in God's nostrils. They'll say, Lord, Lord, we've cast out devils in your name. You know, there's whole ministries surrounding that type of thing. Whole ministries where the entire point of their existence is like exorcism. I don't see that in the scripture. I do see that casting demons happened alongside with preaching the gospel, but I don't see that as a distinct ministry. The problem is that a lot of times in our day, people make something that's a byproduct of the gospel, they make it as the gospel. It becomes something that's not the main thing becomes the, the main thing, like healing ministries. They go on healing crusades, you know, Benny Hinn, he's a great example of that. It, it, it's terrible. They're, they're just playing off of people's emotions and not giving them the truth that's going to save their souls. There's prophetic ministries, and they have like this kind of false sense of, the Lord told me this, and this is what's going to happen, and I've got a word for you, and a word there, and a word. And I'm not saying that all of them are wrong, but the majority of them are, according to the Bible. And just, you know, if you've got a brain, you'll know that something's not right about this. People can be gifted by God prophetically, no doubt. I have no problem believing that. The problem is that the abuse of this is so bad and so rampant in our culture that it's easy to denounce this all together. We can't do that. Lord, Lord, we've prophesied. Lord, Lord, we've cast out devils. And Lord, Lord, we've done many wonderful works in your name. And that encompasses just about anything under the sun that can be thought of. Crusades, conferences, books, television, YouTube following, soup kitchens, mission trips, uh, putting wells in places where people don't have clean drinking water. I, I mean, and the list goes on and on and on. But Lord, Lord, we did all this for you and we did it in your name. That is the cry of these people in that day. The thought is that if I just do what these hucksters are telling me, then I must be right with God because they're people of God. Let me busy myself in the current trendy Christian work. And I say that in quotes, Christian work. There is a trendy Christianity where it's like the collective consciousness of people say, well, this is what you do if you're a Christian. But then there's biblical Christianity, where none of us need to be deceived. We can read the Bible ourselves and find out what that looks like. Often, this work is so far removed, that trendy Christianity work is so far removed from the simplicity of Christ and the gospel and the truth of repentance and faith and a holy life are buried underneath just very shallow stuff. Notice that these people are saying, Lord, Lord, on that day. That's what we're told here. What is that day? Well, it's the final judgment. They, these people are appealing to Christ to let them into heaven 
based on their own merits or works. Lord, Lord, I did this. It appears that when they did that and when they're there and they see Jesus at the, t- at the time of judgment, they may have noticed that maybe he doesn't approve of me. And they, get, they got nervous. They're, they're a little nervous. He doesn't approve of me. What am, I, what am I supposed to do? They were surprised because they thought, well, I've been doing all these things in his name, so surely he'll let me in. And all of a sudden, he's not letting me in. What's going on? And it's possible to do things on the behalf of somebody else and totally misrepresent them. That happens in the business realm. That happens in politics. That happens as ambassadors for countries. They totally misrepresent the people they say they're supposed to be representing. And that's what's going on here. They get there on that day, that final judgment day, and they realize something's not right. Lord, we did all this. That They were nervous. Verse 23, Jesus said, Then will I profess unto you, or unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So, and then, so on that day, after Jesus heard all their appears, uh, appeals, Lord, Lord, we did all this in your name, Jesus says that he will profess, he'll declare openly and freely this kind of public proclamation of judgment. And this is what he'll say, I never knew you. What? You may be thinking, that's insane. This person just spent their whole life doing deeds in Jesus' name. But he said, I never knew you. That means that they were never once saved. There was never a time where they knew God. They never were once saved. He said, I never knew you. But you say, I made a decision for Christ. I made a decision for him. The real question is, though, did you actually repent and believe on Jesus to save you? D.L. Moody said, if you were never really convicted of your own personal sin, that he doubted that you'd ever been saved at all. It seems to be that Jesus thinks the same. So it goes without saying that there was never a relationship with Jesus, these people. There was never a true walking with God uh, as the Bible reveals it. What he said, I never knew you. And that knowing is, is talking about an, in, an, an intimacy. Like, I know of Donald Trump, but do I know him? He's not my friend. I've never talked to the guy. I don't know him. It's the same with Jesus. People know of him, but do they know him? I knew uh, a lot of the people that were in my high school, but I was really only intimately acquainted with a few. I had some close friends and a girlfriend. There are hordes of people, as I've said before, that wear Jesus' name like a merit badge, but they've never been saved. They have no victory over sin. There's no changed life. There's no renouncing of this world. There's no self-sacrificial love for Christ. There's no true love for lost souls. These people are void of the fruits of the Spirit of Christ, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. They're void of a heart of prayer. They do not know of the sufferings of Christ even lived out through them. There's no real love for the whole counsel of God in the Bible. They don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus' desires. And this is what Jesus wants. He wants an intimacy. He wants a holiness. He wants obedience. There's a mutual fellowship and a dialogue between a true believer and Jesus. And, they, and Jesus and that true believer have a like heart. They share the same affections and desires, and they work at the same enterprises. It's not all about their own thing. It's about him. It's a heart full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. He said to those people that he didn't know, he said, depart from me. I never knew you. They'll never enter heaven. You can't act like buddies now. It's weeping and gnashing of teeth. The rejection is right there at the door of heaven, the judgment. And he said, ye that work iniquity. Iniquity is lawlessness, wickedness. It all boils down to the heart and the motive, why people were doing what they were doing. Why were those works done in his name? 
James said, Brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Don't just try and be famous for Jesus Christ because you're going to be judged more severely. It's about Christ, not about us. It's his sacrifice. It's his redemption. It's his kingdom. And it's his reign. Are you really a follower of Jesus then? Have you repented and believed on him to save you from your sins now and forever? Have you been born again? Have you been filled with the spirit of Christ and made holy? James chapter 2 or James chapter 1 verses 22 through 24 talks about not being just a hearer of the word but a doer also. Are you a hearer? Are you a doer or are you fake? You know if you are fake, you can repent and believe now and be saved this very moment. Your next step is to call 570-362-7782 or email gods.resistance at gmail.com. Introduce yourself to me. Set up a time that we can meet because I want to help you in your journey with God. Also, make sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You'll find more preaching and teaching to help you on your journey. You'll be able to connect with others that are walking the same road you are. Tell your friends about this broadcast every Sunday at 9 a.m. and tell them about our social media. And above all, Join the resistance, God's resistance. A special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.